spoke at a grace marriage training and shared my testimony and about uh, sharing God's love and marriage and I'm honored to be able to share that message with you this morning. Our, our capacity to love is solely dependent on our capacity to accept the love of Jesus Christ. I mean, unless we realize how much we are loved, we can't love effectively. Because what scriptures say? We love why? He first loved us. It's hard to believe because we, we don't feel smart enough. We don't feel pretty enough. We don't feel godly enough. But the Lord Jesus delights in us. He doesn't delight in what we do. He's not like, wow, he, just, he loves us. We're his kids. And I've got five kids, and they're going to pop them up right there. That's my family. It's, uh, we have a grade schooler, a middle schooler, two high schoolers, and a freshman in college, including three teenage daughters. And this morning, uh, my daughter Abby's here with me. And we were in Bowling Green last night, and I said, you don't have to get up at 6 and ride with me to come to a strange place and hear me speak again. But if you want to, I'd love it. And how do you think it made me feel when she got up this morning and came with me? Um, I got a daughter that's a freshman in college. And how many of y'all sent one off to college? It's, it's, a, it's sad. Um, it's weird. Um, and that's my daughter. She's a freshman at Campbellsville. She calls me like twice a day. And do you think that bothers me? <laughs> no. She wants to read papers to me. Does that bother me? No. Her picture's up there. Why? I want you to see her. Because that's my daughter. I delight in her. You know, the neat thing is, Jesus delights in you more than I delight in my kids. Jesus wants to hear from you more than I want to hear from Madeline. And we live feeling so not enough. But we're his kids. We're totally forgiven, and we are. We've been made perfect. So I lead off with that because we can't really love well in marriage until we've been set free, and the truth sets us free. You're not on this miserable, heavy burden through life trying to make yourself better. You're in a journey of life trying to grow in the acceptance of the love of Jesus Christ so you can spread his love to others. He loves your imperfect self so you can love all these imperfect people in here. Until you realize that your struggles aren't a hindrance to him loving you, everybody else's hindrances are going to be a trouble with you loving them so until people get the grace of the lord jesus christ they can't give it in their marriage so i want to start out and i've been asked to share our testimony because it is a it's really how god showed his love for Marilyn and i maybe how he saved me i met my wife Marilyn in 1995 i just made a commitment i'm not going to date anybody for a year eight months later i was married and if you met Marilyn, you'd get it. We've been dating about three weeks, and um, I was crazy about her. I mean, it's hard to believe she existed. She was beautiful. She was fun. She was spontaneous. She was godly. She was tall. She was from Kentucky. She was willing to move there. Uh, and, and a friend of mine said, Brad, you've only been dating her three weeks, and I think there's a 90% chance you marry that girl. And I remember freaking out. I thought, wait a minute, is there a 10% chance? that this is going to fall apart. You know, I wasn't okay with that. So we had a blast in dating. 
we couldn't imagine having any problems. We went to a two-day marriage conference to get you ready for marriage. We left. We paid quite a bit for it. Left after 30 minutes and both agreed, isn't it awesome they have this for people? (laughs) And we just went and went to dinner and hung out. And then we got married. Wow. Her quote was, the honeymoon was over before the honeymoon was even over. She then had the real privilege of getting to know Brad Rhodes. And um, she said, you're great at dating. You're horrible at being married. Um, Within a year, she said, am I sentenced to a life of this? I was kind of funny when we were dating. I mean, it wasn't so funny when we were married. Uh, Like I was, I don't err in order and cleanliness. I don't, I'm not very good at order and cleanliness. And so she thought it was kind of funny when we dated, when she'd go to my house and she found a black dog hair in her ice cube. Um, but I remember her quote in, day, in marriage. She said, Brad, there's one thing leaving the soap in the tub. She goes, but the wrapper. That's, that's what happens when you marry a 27-year-old. Um, but it was rough. She prayed, Lord Jesus, am I sentenced to a life of this? And then God moved in my wife. God came, Marilyn came to me, and I remember vividly, she looked at me and she said, Brad, I don't need you. And I remember pausing, because like, where's this going? And she goes, and I want to ask for your forgiveness. She said, I've been asking from you what I'm only called to ask from the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not special because you make me feel special. I'm not beautiful because you make me feel beautiful. I don't I'm beautiful and special because I'm the adopted daughter of the King Jesus. And I don't need you to be a certain way to make me feel what I already am. She goes, so now I'm going to him and I love you. And I'm off your roller coaster. So our marriage went from bad to stable. Um, Marilyn really learn the truth of Jeremiah 17 7 that says blessed is the man whose trust is in the Lord you don't trust marriage we're inconsistent we're flawed he's perfect he's consistent he's not flawed he's the well that never runs dry I'm dry one week and happy the next so Marilyn learned that and it completely stabilized our marriage and that's the foundation of grace marriage is to have a great marriage, you have to not need one. It's not Jesus plus a good marriage and you can have a good life. It's Jesus and you can richly enjoy all things for his glory and be set free because he has conquered death and everything else. So then the Lord wasn't finished. We still had a problem to have a great marriage and that was there was a selfish, compulsive attorney working really hard to build a law practice but not doing anything to build a marriage. And I have an uncle, and if you have these people in your life, be thankful. He's a very aggressive, spiritual man. So if he sees a problem with you, he won't stop until that problem's resolved. And uh, he wanted me to go to a two-day marriage conference. I had trouble sitting through an hour of preaching. I couldn't imagine eight hours of hokey marriage stuff. So I told him no three or four times. So then he calls my office manager, Diane, clears my schedule. Says, Brad, clear, block him off. Calls my wife, do you got anything going on this weekend? No, block him off. Buys my ticket, invites Marilyn's dad, and calls me. 
says, Brad, we got this marriage conference this coming up weekend. I said, well, let me check. He goes, no, you're clear at work. I said, let me check. No, I already did. Well, let me call Marilyn. He goes, no, I already did. And I went. And I learned that you don't have to want something for the Lord to give it to you. I didn't see a need to change. Law practice is going good. Staff likes me. Clients like me. I figured everybody else likes me fine, and Marilyn doesn't, so where's the problem? You know, it's got to be her. I chalked it up to a hypersensitive wife, but like I heard someone say, if the person that knows you the very best in life likes you the very least in life, you are the problem. So I went, and they opened up Ephesians 5.25. It said, Husbands, love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave his life for her. Brad, what do you give up for Marilyn? Couldn't think of anything. Live with your wife in an understanding way. Listen to her. Spend time to her. Talk with her. Just get into her world. Do things that she likes understand her fully do you ever do that brad no don't be harsh with her i was sarcastic and i was rude Um, i used my wit in a less than helpful way and i was broken i took the most beautiful woman i'd ever met in my life and it made her miserable for a year and it killed me it still does But the Lord doesn't, I learned this, the Lord doesn't convict us to beat us up. He convicts us because he loves us. He's like, Brad, I love you. You're my son, and I want you to have a better relationship with me and your wife. I want to help you prosper. So I went home with a godly sorrow, like it says in 2 Corinthians. Because what's a godly sorrow produce? It produces an excitement, a zeal to change. So I could not wait to get home. So it was a Saturday night. We got back about 2.30 a.m. in the morning from Memphis. And Marilyn gets up at 5.30 a.m. to plant bushes before church. Apologized any sabbatarians. uh, But in three hours sleep, I get up, and I grab a shovel, and I go outside. And she looks up at me like she's seen a ghost. Because I was the most inattentive husband anywhere. And she goes, what are you doing out here? I said, where do you want me to dig? We're starting this deal today. And I'll tell you, God works. Because I knew it was permanent. I knew God had done something in me. I wasn't even worried about the compulsive Brad being the same three weeks later. And I remember thinking, I hope she doesn't believe me. Because five years from now, she'll have no question. Well, 22 years later, we've been on a date once a week. We love being married. We enjoy being married. We love putting God's grace and love on display in marriage. Yes, it's an absolute mess with five kids all over the place. I mean, my my second daughter is a bit of an introvert. And she said, Dad, sometimes when I go to the restroom, when I finish, I just stay in there a while just to enjoy a little quiet. I said, hey, whatever you need, baby. So, but yeah, it's, but it's wild, but. I love doing life with Marilyn. And our heart is, we want every couple in here to richly enjoy one another, to put the love and grace of Jesus Christ on display for this world. So when people watch y'all be married, they're impressed with Jesus. See, people ask, how does a lawyer get into marriage ministry? Youth 
asked us, said, we want what you and Marilyn have. Will you do our premarital? All it was is they saw we liked each other. They saw we laughed. They saw we played. They saw we enjoyed life together and we cried together and we laughed together and they saw we enjoyed oneness and they wanted it too. So we, we really need to step forward and richly enjoy marriage. It's, it's the only chance we have to turn this big problem around we got in our society. Because the marriage crisis in America is much worse than we realize. There is a 900% increase in cohabitation. The divorce rate of those 50 and older has doubled, 65 and older, it's tripled. 41% increase in women having affairs. As many marriages experience infidelity as do a date night at least once a month. Crazy stuff's coming out. A major news network put out an article how porn can benefit the marriage. A CNN article talked about how maybe monogamy, this written by a PhD, maybe monogamy's not best for all marriages, and we need to be less rigid. Monogamy is marriage. <laughs> it's crazy. So we have to fight the deception by putting the truth into practice. Because we're right. When a child grows up in a home with a husband and wife that love each other and a father and a mother, it's best for the kid, it's best for the family, it's best for the church, it's best for the society. Every secular and Christian study ever done shows that. Because right now, why is it that so many kids are just living together and not getting married? Well, they watch us. And if 50% of marriages end in bitter divorce, and the other 50% don't look all that appealing, what's the draw to it? But what if they watch us and we're enjoying life together, we're helping each other in time of trial, we're celebrating, we're having fun, and then they see it and they, they, they cannot wait for the day they get to experience this oasis in the desert that God gave us called marriage. What if that happened? Because now that's not the stereotype of marriage. And I shared this at the training. I was at a restaurant eating dinner with my wife in Owensboro. And the waiter asked me, hey, are y'all dating? Now, why would he assume we're dating? I mean, I'm 45 years. I was 50 years old. I'm wearing a ring. I mean, you think maybe I'm married. But he assumed we weren't married. Why? Because we were laughing. We were having fun. And we were out together and alone. Compare this to another couple. We're at another restaurant, and I don't know. Have you ever heard somebody talking at a table beside you, and you can't help being a little nosy? You know, that was me. But um, I hear this couple talking, an older couple, and he's on his cell phone, and I heard her say, if you did this when we were dating, I would have never married you. He goes, this one about it. And that is the complacency of how we're treating marriage. And we have to fight technology, busyness, kid-centric society, make space for our marriage, work on it, and come wildly alive in our marriage for the glory of our God. In our own good. 
and we shouldn't be discouraged. You know, it's really easy to be discouraged right now because so many bad things have occurred in the family. But I'll remind you what Proverbs 21.30 says. There is no wisdom. There is no insight. There is no plan that can succeed against our God. If God is for us, who can be against us? Proverbs 6 gives us the direction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. Other ministries in the church, children, youth, a lot of ministries developed, but it's time to develop strong marriage structures, strong marriage ministries that help couples do really well in marriage. And that's what College Hills is doing. So I want to tell you kind of what grace marriage is and how it works. More important than anything we do is building marriage on the foundation of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And second of all, being intentional because nothing is great by accident. So we're going to start by building the marriage on the foundation of grace. What's that look like practically? We all believe in grace and we've been forgiven. All true. But we want to talk about how do you live it out in your home? The existing model of marriage is what's called a performance-based marriage. In a performance-based marriage, love is given and taken away based on how you're treated. So Marilyn's nice to me, I'm nice to her. Marilyn's mean to me, I withdraw for her. You give love or, or take it away based on how you feel you're being treated by the other. That is natural. The natural is conditional love. The supernatural is what? Unconditional love. 2 Corinthians 3.6 tells us the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Where do you think the old ball and chain stereotype of marriage comes from? Love is a duty. You better do this or you better be home on time from work or you're going to come home to an ice cube. You better be nice or it's not going to go well for you. Well, let's get rid of that. Let's replace it with the grace-based model. The grace-based model is around Romans 6.14. It says, sin will, have, sin will no longer be your master because you're not under law, you're under grace. Or sin will have no dominion over you, control over you, mastery over you. Why? Because you're under the grace of Jesus. Let me give you some good news. It doesn't say sin will have no dominion over you because you will work so hard to better yourself, to make you so strong that you can overcome. You couldn't, so he did. And then you can rest with an easy burden, a light yoke, an arrested soul, anxious about nothing, still profoundly messed up, but worshiping Jesus and enjoying one another. Isn't that a beautiful good news? It's beautiful. So in a grace-based marriage, what's it, how's it work? Gifts kindness, communication, physical intimacy. It's all given as a free gift of grace to the other to put Jesus Christ on display. So I love Marilyn not because Marilyn's nice to me. I love Marilyn because Jesus Christ adores me. He delights in me. And wow, I've got all kinds of problems, but he still delights in me. Well, Marilyn's got all kinds of problems. I delight in her. I've got all kinds of problems. She delights in me. Why? The love of God. So in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10 mentality is taken, which two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls, the one can help them up. But pity the one who falls 
and has no one to help him up. So in, in a grace-based marriage, your spouse struggles and nags at you. Your spouse struggles and goes cold. You don't take offense and withdraw. You go after them. You're a rescuer. My spouse is struggling, so I'm the spiritual leader or helpmate, and I'm going to go after them. I'm going to go down in that ditch and do whatever I can until they're out of that ditch because that's what Jesus did for me. So practically, let me show you how it works. In a performance base, what we call a benefit-me marriage, one sins against the other. For purpose of illustration, we'll make it the wife today. So the wife sins against the husband, moves away because sin separates, right? And sin's a reality. The natural husband takes offense and says, well, don't treat me like that. If you're going to do that, I'm either not going to talk to you or I'm going to give you a consequence. So what happens? You have a relational chasm. Unforgiveness, lack of grace, sin barrier, Sin has dominion over the marriage, and either A, they live in stagnancy, or B, they divorce. A glorified God marriage or a grace-based marriage is different. One sins, again the wife, but instead of the husband taking offense and going cold or giving a consequence, he moves toward her, turns toward her with grace pursuit and kindness like jesus christ while we're yet sinners christ died for us while we're yet sinners we go after each other and then the chasm is closed god's kindness leads to repentance and the ministry of reconciliation is put on display for the world and god is glorified and see that's what's supposed to set christian marriages apart because what's luke 6 tell us it tells us paraphrase even pagans are good to those who are good to them how are Christians different? We're good to those who aren't good to us. Because God was good to us when we weren't good to him. While we were his enemies, he died for us. And that's what we have. So, so how does this work just play out? I'll give you an example. I don't know if you've ever gotten this point, but Marilyn was upset at me, and she was kind of expressing it to me. But I don't know why, but I just didn't care. Have you ever felt that way where you're like, you're, you're like she's after me, I'm like... You know, I just didn't care. And I felt cold. I felt, I knew that's not how you're supposed to feel. So I called the guy that mentors me and I said, look, I'm not in a good spot. I said, I'm not being a good husband. Marilyn shared that with me and I don't seem to care. He said, I said, what do I need to do? And he paused and he goes, nothing. He goes, I want you to stop a second. Just accept the grace of Jesus Christ that covers all of it. And be refreshed in him. Go home, ask for forgiveness, and then enjoy life. So I went home and I told Marilyn, and we went to dinner that night, and we enjoyed each other as if neither one of us had ever sinned. Sin had no dominion because of that. So it, it, it's, and it's Ephesians 5, because who gets the credit? For grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works. No man may boast. We don't have a great marriage because Brad's great, Marilyn's great. We have a great marriage because Jesus is perfect and has given us his grace. For years, as a believer, I lived stressed, heavy, and pressured trying to be a good Christian. Trying to read more, pray more, meditate more, all good stuff. But not the answer. So... The scriptures, easy burden, light yoke, rested soul, anxious about nothing. I had never experienced that. And then I almost heard God say, Brad, you're not okay. 
It's okay. I'm your father. And I love you. And I said I'll finish the work in you I started, and I will. Relax, breathe, trust me, quit working so hard to trust yourself and make you something you can never make yourself. And for the first time, I felt like I could breathe deep. For the first time, I felt like I could enjoy life. I felt like my mind was set free. It's for freedom that he set us free. So it just removes, grace removes the daily frustrations. I mean, used to, we were on each other's nerves so bad. We were, at one point, Marilyn was like, even the way you drink coffee gets on my nerves. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm a little legalistic on budget and stuff, and Marilyn's not, and um, she's very frugal, but she doesn't mind taking red boxes back late. Um, she doesn't mind being a supporter of our local library through late fees. Um, you know, but no longer does that hurt our marriage at all. She's got her gigs, I got my gigs. Jesus Christ has given us his grace and we have a blast together. Isn't that awesome? So Matthew 7 tells us, build your house on the rock of the grace of Jesus Christ and when the storms hit, you'll stand. I'll tell you, storms has hit, have hit us hard. Um, we had one scenario where um, our daughter had a major seizure at age 11, and Marilyn thought she was dead in her arms. Marilyn's screaming, I'm running around, ambulance comes. Make a long story short, most stable woman in the world, she's got her master's in social work, felt like she had panic attacks and was depressed and struggled. And the Lord had shown me, it's not a, Marilyn had nothing to give me. She's barely making it in life. And about a year later, she called. And she was, of course, we were still together. And then she called and said, um, Brad. I said, what? She was, I'm happy. I'm like, what? She was, I forgot what it felt like to be happy. She was, and thank you for just loving me and not telling me what to do, what not to do, getting the word more, pray more, this more. She was, Brad, I was barely getting by. I had a stretch in the law. And I, don't, I think an attorney was up here speaking earlier where he probably understands law can be real stressful. And it got the better of me. And I was cold and I was distant and I was worried. And I'd wake up at 3 in the morning and start working. And I just, cases had my mind and stress and fear of making mistakes. And in Maryland, I came home one day, she's crying. And I said, what you, what's wrong? She goes, well, I'm just worried about you and I've been praying for you. She didn't say, be nicer, talk to me more, do this. She just went after her struggling husband. That's Jesus. So that's the first, building on the grace of Christ. Second of all, is replacing, replacing complacency with intentionality. Right now, life has happened and people don't make space for their marriages. The average young professional couple talks 35 minutes per week. Most of it's errand time. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. The law is good if it's used properly. So at Grace Marriage, what you're going to do at College Hills is you're going to take six hours every 90 days, and you're going to spend that with your spouse, and you say, how are we doing? What can we do better? You're going to schedule time together. You're going to make sure that you make room from your marriage because your marriage is worthy of great investment. Because what's happened in Matthew 13, 22 says, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word. Right now, we're in a very busy society. Grandkids, kids, errands, church activities, this, this, that, and the other. And as a result, it's choked out the marriage. 
And people don't spend time together. They don't enjoy one another. And at Grace Marriage, what we're going to do at College Hills, at College Hills Marriage Ministry, you're going to say, for our marriage, it's worth six hours every 90 days to come together with a group of couples and plan and be strategic and be proactive and leave energized and excited about richly enjoying one another for the glory of God and the good of our family. Because Satan has been very effective in marriages, killing 50% of them. Why? Things that aren't strong are easily killed. We make our marriages strong. They're not so easily killed. So some of the details of Grace Marriage is, like I said, you spend six hours every 90 days. It's on a Saturday. You look big picture. You assess the 90 days, how things have been going. You look ahead for 90 days, and you work on your marriage together. It's not a seminar. It's not six hours of teaching. You're giving a structure to work on your own marriage. It came about through my experience in the law practice. Those who own businesses or law practice can understand. I'm handling a bunch of cases, but I also own my business. So I've got to do marketing. I've got to think about staff development, client experience, delegation, software, and I've got to handle all the cases too. Well, all these big picture things didn't get attention because I was so busy with the details. Well, I went to a business coaching program that said, get out of your business once every 90 days and work on your business. So they would just say, you can't work on one case. You just got to think big picture and work on your business. What do you want the client experience to be? What should marketing look like? Within five years, we'd gone from two lawyers to five, four staff to 10, more income. My work week was down to 35 hours a week, and the law practice was much better practice. So I thought, why would that not work in the family? What if we took the husband and wife out of the fray and said, for six hours, you're just going to think, what would we like to experience in our marriage? And we'll plan, we'll write it down, and we'll work together to experience it. We won't show up and get beat up for six hours about how bad we are and told to do better. Be refreshed in the grace of Jesus and then given a structure to do better and better in our marriage. It's for all marriages. Everything needs attention to thrive. What if you said, my car is running so well, I'm so sick of paying to have the oil change, I'm just going to quit. Your car would quit. What if you said, I'm sick of weeding my garden. It wouldn't be long until it's overcome with weeds. Your marriage needs regular, big-picture attention where complacency and stagnancy will kick in. What it looks like, you will sign up in the back. There's a Grace Marriage booth out there, a College Hills Marriage Ministry booth in the back. You sign up. The, um, you will have a catered lunch will come in. You'll have coffee. You'll have snacks. It'll be four full days of marriage coaching. You will get... You will get your four, the four days for next year are set, and they will, they will let you know what those days are. There is an early bird discount of the cost. Johnny, I believe the cost is $325. $299 if you're paid early, and then $325. And what's the date? September. If it's paid by September 30th, it's $299. So it's about the cost of one dinner and a movie, once a quarter with a sitter. I highly encourage you. To sign up. We are, marriage is worthy of investment. Jesus Christ made a covenant with us. And then we make covenants with each other. We want to draw people to the, the covenant of Jesus. They're watching us steward over the covenant with one another. 
marriage is beautiful. It's a wonderful thing. Um, I'm thankful to College Hills who stepped forward and said, look, we're going to do something. And I'd ask you to pray that the Lord would start a movement to change how marriage is done in our culture. This complacency, you're married, and you just settle into a stable coexistence. No, no longer. My daughter Abby told me, she was in school not long ago, and one of the kids said, which parent do you live with? Let's make God's order the norm and not dysfunction the norm. I mean, there's no condemnation if you've been divorced. The Lord says, thrive in me where you are. It's all been covered.